Tenakoto no mai hai Hello everyone and welcome to the Walk in the Shadowlands podcast. Let me be your guide as we take a walk into the realms of the unexplained, of the paranormal, of things that go bump in the night and haunt your dreams. I'm Marianne. Thanks so much for joining me today, tonight, whatever time it is, wherever you're living in this beautiful world of ours. Sit back, relax, and let me be your guide as we walk into the Shadowlands together and see what awaits us there. Hello everyone, welcome back. A special welcome to all our new listeners this year. I hope that you all had a safe and comfortable holiday season, especially for those of you in the world whose holiday was disrupted by this pandemic. Also, welcome to 2021. Let's see how this year pans out for us all, eh? I lived in the States for some years in North Carolina. To be precise, a lovely small town called Waxhaw, just out of Charlotte. I did a bit of movie extra work while I was there, and one time I went to Georgia for an audition. Whilst I was there, I decided to go on one of the ghost tours because I wanted to learn a bit more about the history of the area I was currently in, not because I expected to see anything paranormal. I was really impressed with the tour guide who was particularly interesting to listen to and he told the stories in such an entertaining manner that I was thoroughly spellbound. When I got the chance after the tour had ended, I asked him if he had actually had any paranormal experiences on his tours or if any of his guests actually had. It was no surprise when he told me of a couple of experiences. I can't remember the precise details now, but that tour stuck with me. And I've always thought it would be a great thing to actually be able to sit down and talk to someone who does these tours. And finally, I got the opportunity to do so with this episode's special guest. However, the question for you, as always, is Are you willing to walk with me into this part of the Shadowlands and see what awaits us there? Before we do, sit back, relax with your favourite hot or cold drink and your knee rug. This is going to be quite a journey. You might want to leave the lights on for this one. Then let's begin. Denny O'Rourke, the host of the paranormal podcast Hauntingly Yours, is a lifelong enthusiast of the paranormal from the time his grandfather appeared to him in a dream with a special message at 13 years old until now. It's been eye-opening and insightful. It's left him wanting more though. What is on the other side for us after death? Today, Denny, in addition to being a podcaster, is also a professional ghost tour guide, a ghost storyteller and paranormal investigator. He's a lover of history and finds himself 
aiming to keep the haunted locales and their stories alive. My special guest, Denny O'Rourke. first made contact I was quite excited to hear about your experiences and things that you've encountered in your life's journey in this area. So um, maybe we could start by you telling us how you came to well one to be a tour guide for a start that's absolutely Mm -hmm. fascinating. Yeah, so I went to work um, for an outdoor living history museum Uh, where I live in Virginia, called Colonial Williamsburg. And it's the largest outdoor living history museum in the United States, Um, just over 300 acres. It's a representation of the way Williamsburg looked when it was the capital of the colony of Virginia during the 18th century. I found myself working there as a gardener interpreting uh, gardening history from the time period and the opportunity to become a ghost tour guide came up. And I said, well, you know, I'm an investigator. I've been chasing after the paranormal my whole life. Why not? And I went out, they had me um, perform a story for them and they offered me the job the next day. And I ended up working for them for about uh, five years um, as a ghost tour guide storyteller. And then I left them. Um, They decided to merge my program with another program and create a new program that I didn't agree with. And I ended up finding a new home and I've been working with them. Let's see, uh, I guess the the better part of six, seven months now. Oh, great. And I know um, when I lived in the States, I lived in North Carolina for a number of years and I visited... Atlanta, Atlanta, Georgia, and I went on a ghost talk, a ghost walk there, and Mm. and I really, really enjoyed the history and the storytelling of the person who gave the tours. So, in order to do something like that, you have to be a pretty good storyteller, you know, to be able to keep people. uh, What's the word? Interest. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and that's 100% right. You know, and I, I can tell you from experience, if I ever feel like somebody's not into it, I have to think creatively and figure out a way to pull those people in. Um, I haven't had any complaints so far. So. Well, that's good. so you have to really be you have to really be a natural storyteller. You have to be part actor to be mm-hmm. able to. To, to get the people involved and interested and you have to be Absolutely. able to think on your feet and outside the box I would say 
Very much so, yes. And thankfully, I do have, I mean, my background is theater and, you know, I've also done film and television. So it definitely comes in handy. I was going to say, you have to have some sort of background like that to be yeah. able to to really dramatise and bring these stories to life. Most definitely. Yeah, absolutely. So maybe we could go back a little bit and maybe you could tell us how you became involved in the paranormal to begin with. What, what set you off on this journey? Well, um, we're going way back here. Uh, when I was 13, I'm 33 now, by the way. When I was 13, um, my grandfather passed away. Actually, he died two days before my 13th birthday. And I remember I was very devastated by this because he and I were very close. Two days after we buried him, I awoke in a dream where I was in this white room with very bright lights. And I'm looking all around because it didn't feel like a dream, but I I knew I was asleep. And I remember looking all around this place thinking, okay, where am I? And the room just seems like it goes on forever. And I start walking along and then I hear a voice call out to me and I recognized it. So I kept moving closer and closer and I realized it was my grandfather and he was sitting all the way at the other end of this room. And I, you know, I hurried over to him and he's sitting on this, this white throne and he's wearing a white suit and he looks as good as he ever has. And I, I said, Papa, uh, what are you doing here? He said, don't worry about that. I never got the chance to tell you goodbye. I just wanted to tell you I love you and I hope you have a good life. Uh-huh. And then I woke up and I was, you know, crying my eyes out naturally, but I couldn't figure out what just happened. You know, mm-hmm. I it was that him or was that a dream? Mm-hmm. I went around and I told everyone, my mom, my my stepdad, you know, the, the local reverend at our church. And everybody just said, you're a 13 year old boy grieving the loss of a family member. Right. You know, it's your mind playing tricks on you. But I knew there was something more to it. And that wasn't the only time something like that has happened to me. It, it's been happening over the course of my life where people I'm close to or have some kind of connection with they somehow reach out to me and give me a message. Right. Um, but that kind of put me on the path. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and that's been spread out quite vastly over the course of my life. Um, back in, I think it was July of 2007, I, I had an experience that I guess truly set me down the path that I'm on now. Um, that really, you know, grounded my feet in the paranormal field. And I've been looking for answers ever since. Um, I, got, I grew up in the second smallest county in Virginia um, called Matthews County. And about 10 minutes from my house, there was this place called Old House Woods. Now, Old House Woods, the best way I can describe it is it's the stuff that all good legends are made of. It's, you know, a 60-acre creepy patch of woods. It's haunted by pirates and witches and soldiers from uh, the Revolutionary War. I mean, the list is probably 10 miles long of, you know, hauntings. Mm -hmm. 
Right. And I had a friend one night who asked me if I wanted to go ghost hunting. Now, I had never done that at all. You know, here I am, 19 years old, and I'm thinking, you know, I watch all these shows on TV, like Ghost Adventures and Ghost Hunters, and I said, yeah, you know what, I mean, I'm interested in the paranormal. I've had a few things happen. Why not? He and I, um, we clock out of work late one night at this little cafe we're working at, and we take a drive out to the woods. We drive down, you know, the center of the woods through the, the dirt road, and I'm looking all around, you know, it's just after midnight. It's absolutely spooky out. We get to the end, and I see, you know, uh, a no trespassing sign, and I went, hold on, whoa, whoa, whoa. And he said, oh, no, no, don't worry, don't worry. We're not trespassing on anybody's property. We're just going to turn around and come back out. And I said, okay. And we got to the end, we turned around, then he pulled over to the side of the road once we were in the middle of the woods. And we got out and he ended up sitting on the ground and told me he was going to astral project. And I said, okay, yeah, I, I know what you're talking about. And he sat there and got in this like meditative like stance and you know was humming and trying to astral project, which I didn't think he was doing a very good job at. <laughs> um, all the while I'm looking around and I'm keeping an eye on the woods and, you know, because I have no idea what to expect. Right. Um, you know, it's like, we're pretty much in the marshlands, you know, swamp everywhere. There's swamps everywhere. Um, really tall pine trees that, you know, if the wind blows, they kind of like slam up against each other and make horrible sounds. Right. Um, you hear like frogs in the distance. Um, it definitely added to the ambiance of what we were doing, but I'm sitting here looking around and after 10 minutes, I finally, I encounter something. I hear what sounds like somebody moving through the woods about several yards um, to my right. And I look over, you know, adjusting my eyes and I can clearly see the trees being pushed back and forth as somebody's moving through the woods. And then I hear the footsteps. And I hear twigs snapping, and then I'm thinking, okay, somebody's in the woods. Right. Well, next thing I know, somebody physically comes out of the woods. It's this shadow figure, and he dissipates into this, like, uh, best way I can describe it is this black vapor, just this giant cloud. He kind of sails out of the woods over the ditch bank and comes down to the road and then dissipates again, and he's this full-on apparition of a man wow. uh, with a horn hat, and he's wearing a long flowing overcoat. I mean, he looks, if I had to guess, he looked like he was from the 17th century, um, very much a pirate. I know enough about history. <laughs> yeah. I've seen enough movies. I, I, I knew it was a pirate, and I'm, I mean, I was speechless. I, this is like something out of a horror movie that I'm witnessing. And I look over at my friend who's not paying attention. And I said, Charles, get up now. And I took off running to the car. I didn't look back. I jumped in the back seat and I look out the window and I see this pirate running after my friend chasing. <gasps> wow. and my friend screamed his head off the entire way. But right as he got up to the car, the pirate grabbed a hold of him, threw him up against the car, and they started struggling. I mean, there was a, a fight going on, and my friend's begging me, Danny, help me, Danny, help me. And I'm like, 
man, th this is out of my league. I have no idea what's going on here, what you've gotten me into, but I'm not messing with this, this entity. No way, no how. And all of a sudden, like, I see him throw a punch, and then he manages to escape, gets in the car, and we drive off. I mean, I've never seen him drive that fast in all my life. But the last thing I remember seeing, I turned around and looked out the, the back window of the car, and this man was running toward us, this pirate. He was running toward the car, and he was glowing. He was like this blue color. And I guess he gave up because he stopped. And then six more guys dressed as pirates showed up behind him. Whoa. Mm -hmm. You guys must have been just about peeing your pants. Yeah, yeah. I, and I mean, to this day, I mean, it's, it still blows my mind every time I take that trip down memory lane. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just, I, I feel like I had an experience that most people want and never get, you know what I mean? And I keep going and looking for those types of experiences. Well, you would. I guess one is verification for what you experience because it's not very often that you have spirit physically interacting. Exactly. It's yeah. actually very rare. So right. For you to see that on your first encounter is pretty... Uh, pretty radical really yeah and i mean the only way i can really wrap my mind around it is this entity you know the spirit he must have been laying in wait mm. for a very long time building up the energy to physically you know manipulate and touch you know yeah. another human being i mean what else what else is there i mean unless you want to go down the the, the demon rabbit hole but even then <laughs> No, I don't think so. <laughs> no, no. I, I'm no. not a believer in demons. I, I mean, I've been a medium my entire life, and mm -hmm. I've seen some very nasty human spirit, and I've seen some interdimensional beings, but demonic is a religious terminology used to create fear. And certainly interdimensional beings give off can give off an energy that creates fear in us because it's a totally different energy to what we're sure. used to doesn't mean that all it just means the energy is quite vastly different to ours oh but, sure yeah i agree with you i agree with you that would have been uh and and certainly i mean i've had spirit physically touch me never mm. hit me but touch me as in comfort touches and many people have but to see that you how did your friend deal with it um, he was pretty exasperated. I mean, he could barely talk, <laughs> you know, and I, I just kept going, what was that? What was that? And he's like, no, 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 not right now. Not right now. I can't do it. Let's, let's go. Let's go. <laughs> I mean, he had been doing, you know, he had been ghost hunting long before I had, right. um, but he, I mean, actually I, I did an interview recently and, you know, I, I told the story of course in, he, he saw the interview and basically said, is this the story that I'm thinking of? Because I remember just how fast I drove trying to get out of the woods that night. Wow. <laughs> so yeah. He remembered it very well. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's pretty traumatic. So, you know, your mind tends to, tends to glaze over traumatic things so they're not so hard for you to deal with. Yeah, 
Yeah, exactly. And there's something else in there that I was going to say, and I can't remember what it was. Oh, gosh, I hate that. Uh, it'll probably come back to me. So, oh, that's right. So this this ent- the spirit that was there, he obviously had a lot of anger and control issues. Oh, yeah, I'd say and, so. And he obviously felt like you were being disrespectful. Or mm-hmm. maybe he was still guarding his treasure. Who knows? Yeah, and, and, you know, that's an interesting thought because one of the many legends of the place is that the infamous pirate Blackbeard, Blackbeard. Um, actually came ashore White's Creek, which runs along the woods. And he took about a dozen men in and buried some treasure and then killed them all to so their spirits would protect the treasure. You know, dead men tell no tales and right, all that. Right. And then he got back on his ship, sailed, you know, further down the coast to North Carolina and met Lieutenant Maynard and unfortunately met his ultimate demise. <laughs> That's really interesting. So that could explain you know, maybe that wasn't such a legend after all. Maybe he actually did that, and that would explain the group of men coming up behind and the anger of that particular person. Yeah, yeah. Who knows? Makes sense to me. Interesting. Food for thought, though, isn't it? Oh, yeah. And, I mean, you know, I've had multiple experiences in those woods, and I've had other run-ins with pirates. Um, Actually, there is one night where we actually, um, me and some friends got permission to spend the night in the woods. And I I was actually filming a small documentary, you know, about my experiences and the history and everything. And I remember we we were all gathered around our our campfire and we were eating um, some stew. And, you know, everybody was like, oh, you know what, leave the rest for tomorrow. You know, that'll be a good lunch. And I said, okay, left, you know, the ladle in the pot at the campfire, everybody turned in for the night. And as I was falling asleep, I saw these seven figures moving toward camp and they were glowing this blue color, blue color. I saw um, six tall figures that were clearly adults. And then I saw a shorter one in front, which I assumed was a child. And I'm looking, you know, I'm hearing them on my pillow, looking out the tent and I'm thinking, ah, I'm tired. My eyes are playing tricks on me. Right. Well, I, I wake up the next day and one of my friends who was with me, he was visiting from Nepal and he, you know, we woke up, I think it was like seven o'clock in the morning. We're all very groggy. And he, he says, guys, I had this strange dream where I awoke in the tent to hearing this terrible racket outside in, in camp. Well, I got up, I went to investigate, and when I came out, there were these seven people gathered around the campfire eating our beef stew. There were six men, they were dressed like they were from another time period and had funny looking hats, and there was a little girl in a white dress that was kind of raggedy looking. They were sitting there eating our beef stew, and I yelled at them, I said, hey, that's our stew. They turned and looked at me. And they started laughing, and the little girl took the ladle and chunked it at me. And everybody just started laughing at him. Nobody believed it at all. But me, I went, hold on. I took what I saw, and I took his dream, and I put the two together. And I looked at him, and I said, Tenson, where's that ladle? Because I had looked down in the pot, and it wasn't there. And he said, 
Well, in the dream, she threw it and he pointed and it, there it was on the other side of camp. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow, and, that's pretty freaky. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, the other guys thought, you know, it, it was just him being silly, but mm -hmm. they were, once they saw the ladle on the ground, they just went, okay, nope. No. <laughs> Don't want to know about this. Right. Yeah. And that would be that would be a normal reaction, wouldn't it? Wow. How yeah. so that was a pretty much a shared experience that validated what you had seen and validated for Tenzing, is it? Did you say Tenzing, yeah. Tenzing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, validated for him what he had experienced as well. Right. How cool Absolutely. is that? Wow. I know. So that got you so that really put you on a lifelong journey in, into the fields of the paranormal and the unexplained oh yes very much so without a doubt <laughs> yeah, yeah i would say so and yeah. then and then of course you started working with the tours and tell us what sort of things have you experienced as a tour guide well, um, first one that comes to mind is, it was September 3rd, 2016. I was doing a tour. Um, I it was my second tour of the night. Uh, in those days, I did two. I did one at 7 o'clock and one at 8.30. And it was a Saturday night. I remember I had about 45 people. Mm -hmm. And yeah, big group. <laughs> and we're marching you know all around the historic area and I've been taking them to all the the historic houses telling them about the history and the spooky stories and I get to this one shop it's called the Prentice shop it's just you know a retail store um, they actually sell handcrafted items made by the local tradesmen who work there in the historic uh, area for the yeah. museum and I stop at this shop and, you know, I'm telling everybody about the history and, you know, I'm saying, hey, you know, this is an original building built in 1739. This is who it's named after. And then I tell them about the spooky happenings, you know, because people have been saying the place is haunted for years. And I get to the end of it and I start joking with these little kids, you know, these children that are sitting around my feet. And, and I say, kids, look, I know what you're thinking you would like to say something bad about this this shop and i don't recommend it okay because mr prentice the man whom the the shop is named after he's still here lurking in the shadows he's waiting for some smart aleck kid like you to try their luck and you know everybody started laughing i was just joking around trying to have mm -hmm. a bit of fun and one of them gets up, he's like 10 years old. He looks at both of the windows um, on the side of the building where I'm standing. And he says as loud as he possibly can, Mr. Prentice, are you here? I think your store is stupid. And he spits on the ground. I said, oh, somebody's a tough guy. Okay, we don't provoke ghosts, young man. And he, he laughed. He thought it was the funniest thing in the world. But then it was like he did a 360. He went completely white. And then he took off running to the back of the group. And I look back. He's holding on to his mom for dear life, pulling on her arm. Mom, help me, help me. And she's like, what, sweetie? What's wrong? He points at the shop window that I happen to be standing under. And she looks at the window. She goes completely white. And she has no words all of a sudden. And everybody else who's all around us, 
they were laughing, they just went completely silent and they looked at the window and they had no words. Everybody was completely and totally mortified at something that was in that window. And I looked at everyone and I said, guys, what's going on? Why did all of you just become silent as the grave? And then a gentleman at the back of the group, he yelled out to me and I looked back, he's an elderly man, white, white hair, he's got a New York Yankees hat on, he's got a camera around his neck. And I said, sir, what's wrong? And he said, Denny, should anybody be inside this shop right now? I said, no, sir, why? He said, I'm pretty sure there's a man sitting in the window right now. There's a really bright light on. You, you can't miss it. And I looked at everybody else because I thought the, the guy was messing with me, you know, mm -hmm. trying to have a bit of fun. So I said, uh, guys, is, is he telling the truth? And they were like, yeah, yeah, you, you, you want to turn around and look in the window. So I took a couple of steps out and I looked in that window and what I should have seen, by the way, was a black curtain that's literally nailed to the windowsill. It's there to help maintain a 18th century look about the building. Right. They don't want people to look in and, you know, see a, a laptop or a fax machine or something modern, you know, throws you for a loop. And I'm looking at it, th this window and the curtain's not there. It, it's gone. It's like somebody's just ripped it off the window. And instead, there's a bright light on inside the store. And there's a man sitting there in a chair. Quite plainly, we can all see him sitting there like he's at a desk, you know, doing something. And we're, we're looking at his profile. You know, you can see his ears. You can see his neck. Uh, you can tell he had long brown hair, which was pulled back. And he was wearing an 18th century outfit, you know, very prominent collar. And you can see the chair he was sitting in. Now everybody's begging me, Denny, Denny, what is this? What's going on? And I'm like, oh, hold on, guys. Let me, let me find out. I walk up to the window. I, I knock on the sill, trying to create a little noise. I say, hey, pal, I, I'm sorry to bother you up there. My name's Denny. I, I work for the Colonial Williamsburg Foundation. Do you mind telling me who you are? I, I just finished a tour out here, and I'm, I'm terribly sorry, but all of my guests are absolutely petrified. Who are you? And a few seconds later, I got a response because he moved back in his chair. He got up and he turned around to face me. And I got one good look at him because he came in real slow. He bent over, he put one hand on each of his knees and he kind of leveled his head with mine and just stared me right in the face. And what I could clearly see was a middle-aged man, probably in his mid forties, long brown hair, brown eyes. He had some facial hair coming in and he was dressed as an 18th century merchant. Now, I knew he was a merchant based off the type of attire that he was wearing. Not only that, I was a merchant for the, for the historic museum at one point myself, so guilty as charged. But I'm looking at this and I'm thinking the tailoring is way too good. This guy has to make his own costumes. But I cast that aside and I waited for the response and I could tell this guy was, you know, ticked off. Mm -hmm. But I never got a response other than him getting up and looking at me because the light in the store blinked off, he was gone, and then the black curtain reappeared like the whole thing never happened. Yeah, um, pretty much I turned around to try and tell my group what I thought happened and my group had taken off running. 
they, they were going every which way. And I basically said, all right, guys, have a good night. And I got back to my manager's office to tell him what happened. And the gentleman who asked me, you know, to look in the window, he followed me the entire way. And he said, Denny, I just wanted to tell you that I was taking photos from the moment the guy appeared in the window. And I just wanted you to have one of the photos. And I went, wow. Um, yeah. And I mean, I've had it on my phone ever since that day, September 3rd. 2016 I, I I tell that story every night at work um, uh, but if you look oh my goodness a little bit yeah I'm trying to show it to you as best as I can <laughs> can you send me a copy of that and I'll I'll put it on um, this episode's like on my website I have a page for each episode where I put a fully written transcript for deaf people and oh, I would really like to put that image with it. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. I can so awesome. Oh, yeah, fantastic. <laughs> oh, wow. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. Um, that's been by far my, my best experience. Um, but I've, I've had multiple. I have, I've had multiple experiences. There's one house there um they can they consider it the most haunted house in the city and it's called the peyton randolph house and the spirits there literally know me by name right. um, you know whenever i go there and if if i turn on the spirit box which is you know um a perk of coming on my tour because it's, it's an extreme tour right. um you know, i carry paranormal equipment but if i turn on the spirit box they they start talking to me without me saying, hey, it's Denny. Nope, I turned it on. Denny, Denny, hi, Denny, Denny, hey, Denny, Denny. And I'm like, all right, all right, hey, guys, yes, yes, it, it's me. I know, you like me. <laughs> That's so cool. That's so yeah. cool. I, I've had similar experiences. I used to, news, I live in a small town in New Zealand called Napier, and mm -hmm. I, I started my training as a hospital, hospital-based training on a Napier hill, which is like a, a huge hill in town. Yeah, and there's a the old original Napier Cemetery is right by the nurses' home where I used to live. Um, oh, okay. In the days back in the seventies when I started my training, nurses uh -huh. in New Zealand had to live in the nurses' home. That was the regulation. Uh -huh. Very mm -hmm. British, not like it, it is at all in America. Sure. And I used to go over to the cemetery all the time and visit and just sit there because I enjoyed the energies. It was quiet and it was peaceful, and the spirit there knew me. And I had been away for about oof, 20 years and I came back to Napier and I went for a visit and I had my recorder and I got, oh, Marianne's back, Marianne's back. Oh, yeah. Oh, of cool. Course, of course, there's no time in spirit. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah, exactly. And, and yeah. Spirit, spirit are just humans that no longer have this physical body. So they have the same feet. Um, emotions and feelings that they had when they were here so of mm -hmm. course they would have built a bond up with you especially if you're going there all the time and you're respectful yeah exactly. exactly right exactly right and i know when i first started um doing tours you know for the current company i'm with the the spirits of this house you know i think they got aggravated with me asking the same questions every night that i came um, and, you know, and I'm just thinking, guys, you don't understand. I'm doing a job here. You know, I, I'm, I'm giving different groups of people each night a performance, you know, and 
unfortunately, yes, you are part of the performance, you know, if you feel so inclined to come out and chat. Yeah. Um, it's like, you know, you know, I would say, um, uh, are there any men here with us tonight? You've asked this already. It's like, okay, um, why do you linger at this place? We've been over this. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so I, I, I learned to adapt very quickly because I, you know, I wanted to keep that friendly rapport with them. Right. So instead of coming there and just asking a billion questions, I would just come there and start a conversation, you know, Hey everyone, it's Denny. I hope everybody's doing all right tonight. How's it going? You know, and try to get them to come out slowly but surely. And it seems like every time I go to that one house, there's always someone different there. Um, there on on record, there have been over thirty plus deaths in the house. Wow. Uh, yeah, and there are there is a cemetery. Um, on the property that no one's ever found um, with one of the former families that lived there in the 19th century. And I had a conversation with a spirit one night who told me his name was Michael. This was actually about two weeks ago. And I said, well, Michael, I'm curious. Can you tell me how many people are in the house right now? He said, 27. And I was kind of baffled. (laughs) I just went, whoa, that's, that's a number out of left field. I mean, okay. I said, are you sure? He said, yes. And I said, are you part of the Randolph family? And he said, maybe. And I said, hmm, somebody's feeling persnickety. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, doesn't want to to reveal who he is. But I I went and looked it up because, I mean, I'm very familiar with the house, but, you know, I won't pretend to know everything. I did find out that the, the Randolph family who who the house is named after, they had 27 slaves when they lived in that house. Um, So I thought, oh, what if Michael is an enslaved person? Yeah. Um, I just, coincidence? Eh, Sure, you can say that, but either that or somebody's privy to some information. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Wow, that's really interesting. Now, Mm -hmm. I was looking up I was looking up, doing a bit of research on you, uh-huh. and I, I heard, read that the most scary incident you've ever experienced was in the Corn Harbour nursing home. Oh, <laughs> yes, I actually um, just talked about that last night um, for a virtual podcast summit um, that's going on right now. Oh, okay. Uh, Indie Pods United. Yeah, a um, bunch of my friends got together and decided to put that little shindig together. Um, yeah, yeah. But I, I talked about that. That was a big trip down memory lane. So pretty much after I became familiar with Old House Woods, I decided I needed to branch out. And I started looking for other places in my hometown. And one commonly talked about place pretty much from the time I was born was Horn Harbor nursing home. Everybody talked about it. You know, it was this great nursing home. It was um, government run from 1943 up until about 1977. Uh, A lady named Ethel Owens operated it, ran it. She worked there for about 25 years. And then um, when the patients got transferred, she 
unfortunately um, became ill and ended up becoming a patient herself at the new nursing home, Riverside Convalescent Center. Right. And then from there, it, would, it, um, it turned into a home for troubled boys from Denmark. And these boys, they were just total delinquents. They were always getting into trouble, getting arrested. They were doing witchcraft and trying to, you know, resurrect spirits and all sorts of crazy things. Right. And there's, there's a lot of speculation that it's because of them that the building became haunted, that they unleashed something that they, mm. they had no idea, you know, would actually come about. Um, they, they actually had a, a room in the facility called the devil's room uh, where they would carry out this black magic. And uh, up until the building was demolished back in 2014, if you ventured in there, you could see the devil's room. I mean, you know, this heavy steel door, it's got a red pentagram on it. And, you know, it says the devil's room and you go in and it just smells like death. Mm. Uh, absolutely creepy, creepy place, but I've had multiple experiences in there. And, you know, the, the scariest, most spooky experience I had, um, it was late one night, my son, my friend, um, Charles from, who took me to Old House Woods for the very first time and in, introduced me to ghost hunting. It was me, him, and another friend named Michael, um, who is the skeptic out of us. And we went into the, to the facility and, you know, we're walking around. Um, it was probably like two o'clock in the morning. It was incredibly late. And I remember we were standing in the kitchen and the kitchen is absolutely massive, massive kitchen. And, you know, it's of course long since been cleared out. There's this oven that's in the middle of the room. Um, that's about it. And the oven's seen better days, you know, it's rusted, it's falling apart. It's, I think, on two legs. And there's a pantry off in the corner. And then on the far side of the room, there's a door that you can take to go outside to the courtyard. Then where I was standing, um, which I was in front of the, the oven, just on the other side of the oven, there are two windows. And those windows were both broken. There was glass on the floor. And we're standing around in here and I'm looking at the moon coming in through the windows. And I said, you know, is there anyone there? If someone's there, could you please give us a sign to acknowledge your presence? You know, doing the typical paranormal investigator thing. And all of a sudden I hear what sounds like two little boys laughing. And I'm looking all around. My friends are looking around. And then I tabbed them because I pinpointed where it was coming from. And I pointed straight ahead without saying anything. And we all start looking at the two windows in front of me. And sure enough, there are two silhouettes that look like young boys. And they've, they've got their, their hands over their eyes, you know, like they're peeking in at us, having a laugh. Right. And... What, um, my friend Michael, who's the skeptic, he's like, all right, we know you're out there. You need to stop messing around and come on in. You know, I'll mess you up. Okay. And one of them walked right through the window. And all I saw was the silhouette of this boy come in through the window. And I knew he was there because the, the broken glass under the windowsill on the, on the floor started crunching. And I said, oh, he's actually there. And then the other silhouette ran down the length of the building came in the door and ran all the way up to my friend and my friends went 
my hand's going cold. I mean, it's ice cold. And then he said, oh, I feel fingers. <laughs> fingers, like they're lacing, they're locking around my fingers. And it was from pretty much that point on, him and Charles took off running to the car and they left me standing there. <laughs> to put it quite plainly, left me standing there to hang out with the two shadow boys. And I just thought, oh, why is this always the case? I mean, but I ended up leaving and Charles, you know, and I, we took Michael home, dropped him off. And then Charles took me back to my place and I got out of the car and I felt like somebody got out of the car with me. And I look up at the house and I see this shadow of a person run up toward the front door. And I looked down at Charles. He said, why, Danny, have a good night. (laughs) And he took off because he saw it too. And to make a long story very short, over the next two weeks, I was pretty much harassed by the entity of a young boy who I guess was probably 11 or 12 years old. I would wake up in the middle of the night to somebody knocking on my bedroom window and I get up, you know, look outside. There's no one there. I go outside and walk around the house. There's no one. But I felt like I was being watched. That's the only way to put it. That, you know, I'm looking all around. I could feel it, but there's no one there. Yeah. And, um, you know, there would be random noises, you know, like inside my closet and I hear footsteps going down the hall. And then in, I remember one day I was going to take a shower and I saw what looked like the shadow of a person out the corner of my eye and go into my bedroom. And I had this pet rabbit at the time. And I go into the shower, start the shower, and I hear my rabbit screaming its head off. I run back into the room and my rabbit's levitating in midair like somebody's wringing his neck. And then oh, he just wow. drops dead. And I was, I was just like, um, okay, what, what just happened? You know, I was upset. I took the rabbit, I buried him. And the next morning, I remember I woke up in a dream and there's this strange 12 year old boy that I've never seen standing at the foot of my bed. He's dressed like he's from the 1970s, maybe 1980s. I couldn't really tell. And he's standing there at the foot of my bed with my dead rabbit's bag of food, and he's pouring it all over my feet, laughing hysterically. And I said, hey, who are you? And then I woke up. And when I woke up, I looked down at my feet and saw the bag of rabbit food levitating in midair, and then it just dropped onto the bed. bed. And... I said, no, 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 no. I said, I said aloud to an empty room. I said, whoever you are, you're going home. You don't belong here. Obviously you attached yourself. That's fine, but it's time you go back. I've had enough. And I got a couple of people together. I brought all my equipment with me because I built quite the arsenal at this point. (laughs) And you know, I, I went with my digital voice recorder and I invited him to come back and we pulled into the driveway of the place and it was just after midnight, I got out of the car, I took all my equipment, I turned on my digital voice recorder and all of a sudden I felt somebody get out the car with me that wasn't in the back seat. And I looked behind me and I'm like, 
I said to my friends, did you feel that? And they're like, yeah, somebody got out of the car. And then we saw the shadow of a person dart behind the, the bushes that were near us. And I said, it's him. It's him. He's run over there. And I quickly run around the corner. I've got all my equipment out and recording this. And when I get behind the bushes, I see what looks like these two clouds of like white mist just lingering there. And they're kind of moving back and forth mm. around one another. And I, me and my friends can hear what sounds like the laughter of two boys laughing quite clearly, quite plainly. And then one of them says, thank you, Denny. And then it was from that, <laughs> from there on, we were like, okay, we got what we came for. He's back. Let's go. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Pretty. Uh, oh, wow. Oh, I think you handled that really well. And I guess you learned from there on to tell entities that they can't follow you home. Yes, I make that a point every single time I go, you know, do an investigation or if I even do a tour, um, because I know Very like, smart. yeah, doing tours, there are some of them that like to follow me around. Mm. I actually had an attachment for probably about three weeks. I had a 22 year old uh, male spirit named Jake. He, I knew, I knew what house he was from but he would follow me all around and everybody, I had two psychics tell me that he was my protector. And I said, okay, that's fine. So whenever I went to his house, I would say, Jake, if you're here, you're welcome to follow me. And I would hear, okay, thanks. And he actually would try to introduce me to other spirits, weirdly enough. And then one night uh, it was, it was a, there was a female spirit named Anna uh, who I'm detecting was German, but she said, Jake, trouble. And I said, Jake's in trouble. And she said, yes. And I said, where is he? She said, on the ground. And out the corner of my eye, I'm seeing what looks like this like fog you know, near me that's just kind of hovering above the ground. And I said, he's near me? She said, yes. And I said, what's wrong? She said, thirsty, water. And I said, well, I, I have a container of water. If all he needs is water, he, he can help himself. Of course, I'm unsure what exactly this means. Right. Um, and then all I hear is, thank you. And I never heard from him anymore after that. Interesting. Yeah, Interesting. no idea. And, and no how idea. does this interaction, obviously you have abilities or you wouldn't be having so much interaction with spirit. Yeah, and I've always considered myself very open, mm. you know, to the paranormal, very sensitive. Um, I actually did a, I did a Reiki healing for the first time back in September, and I, the Reiki master actually told me that I am clairvoyant. Mm. That's what uh, I thought too. <laughs> Yeah, and she she specifically said, you know, you've been pretty much denying this your entire life. You you predict things before they happen. You mm -hmm. feel things, and I said, yeah. And she said, accept it, em embrace it. it. It's part of who you are. Mm -hmm. And um, she told me that my third eye was closed, which you know she couldn't quite figure out given what I do. And she opened it for me, and. 
I kid you not, ever since then, it's, it's made me even more of a, a magnet <laughs> for, you know, spirits everywhere I go. Um, it's like, I actually work at a nursing home um, for day work. And I actually was putting up calendars in our empty unit yesterday. And I was in this one room and I felt like somebody ran up behind me and I went, oh, great, here we go. <laughs> And I turned around, there was nobody there in the room with me. But I could feel it. There was this very heavy presence. And I took out my cell phone really quick, and I hit the video, and I turned on the flash. And sure enough, there was an orb right there floating around. I thought it was a lens flare at first. Mm -hmm. And then I realized it was an orb because he started moving all around me. And, you know, I just went through and I asked a series of questions. And I specifically said that... I wanted him to him or her to know that I was protected, you know, I was surrounded by white light and they were welcome to be friends with me, but they must have good intentions. And I went back and I listened to this and right after I said that, I got an EVP saying, "Yes." So I said, "Okay, got my point across." <laughs> yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant. They're even though they're no longer with us, they're they're still people. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. That, you know, that's one thing I always stress when I do tours, you know, and I'm pulling out all this equipment and getting spirits to interact. You know, I always tell people, be respectful. You know, they're not circus monkeys. They're here to talk with us just like we're here to talk with them. Absolutely. You know, and, we and give them a choice. Yeah choice always and that's a really wonderful respectful attitude and I feel that's why you tend to have so much success you know with interacting with spirit is because you do treat them with respect you do treat them like they're regular people which they are they're just regular people without these vessels we carry around yeah yeah exactly yeah from all your experiences then what made you decide you have a podcast tell us mm -hmm. a little bit about your podcast so pretty much um back in Mar march of this year 2020 i took a um, ghost tour guide class for the current company i work for the original ghosts of williamsburg and they were like, okay, great. You know, Denny's the star of the class because he's come, he's, you know, I was literally the only one coming in with it prior experience. Right. And I'm pretty much a walking history, history book um, of not only history, but ghost stories of the area as well. And they were asking me, okay, how soon do you want to start working? These, these guys, they're new. It's going to take a little while. They wanted to put me to work the very next week, which I was very excited for. But then the coronavirus pandemic hit, oh, and gosh, all of a sudden, oh, wait, we can't do tours. And then I found myself sitting around for a few months, and I was going, I want to keep my storytelling skill set sharp. You know, mm -hmm. I can tell stories to anybody I want anytime, but I would I'd rather be telling those stories that are near and dear to my heart. So I decided. I'll start a podcast. And, you know, I put a couple of feelers out and people were like, yeah, I'll listen. Sure. Go for it. And I came across anchor and went to town and I started off, you know, nice and easy. I talked about old house woods and, um, you know, the, the stories of that place that I grew up with. And then of course my own experiences. And then 
um, ventured one town over to where I live now called Gloucester, uh, picked a place from there and talked about it. And then over time I said, you know, I should go outside the United States and just tell ghost stories from all across the world. So I started finding places of historic value, researching them until I was blue in the face and digging up as much as I could, compiling it into like a 30 minute uh, to an hour segment and talking about the history, the folklore and any ghost stories behind that location. And I ended up um, doing 13 seasons, uh, 13 seasons, excuse me. I ended up doing 13 episodes for my first season. Um, currently in the middle of a break while I'm gearing up for season two, which I'm very excited for. How exciting. Yeah, that's really uh, awesome. And I know how much work goes into, I, I suspect, I have a feeling that you research like I do. I like, if it, if I'm doing a subject like one of the episodes I did in my first season, I'm currently in a break at the moment between my fifth and my sixth season. Okay. Um, and in my first season, I did an episode called A Glitch in the Matrix, A Holographic Reality. Mm. And I did over 30 hours research for that episode. I was like writing a mini thesis. Oh, I, sure got all the theoretical physicists I could find on the subject. I researched them, you know, and I suspect that you work in the same way. Absolutely. I, I essentially take um, what I do for, you know, tours where I go into a location and I, I dig up the history. I, I, I dig up what happened and then I figure out how to kind of, compile it shorten it and present it in a timely fashion right right yeah but i definitely jump into it with both feet right and what's your podcast called uh, my podcast is called hauntingly yours uh, okay. podcast for the paranormal yeah brilliant I, hauntingly yours a podcast for the paranormal yes um it's probably much easier to just say hauntingly yours but <laughs> And I decided, you know, at the very beginning, because my main objective with my podcast is to keep stories alive and can keep people telling them, you know, I, t right. I tell you the story, you turn around and you tell your friend and your friend tells your mom and, you know, so on and so forth down the line. And I called it a podcast for the paranormal because it's, it's dedicated to the spirits. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, I'm not just doing this for my own gain. I'm doing this because I'm trying to keep their stories alive, mm. keep their memory going. That's really cool. That's yeah. a, actually a really nice way to look at it, Denny. Uh, it's a really a nice, a nice thing. So give us your social media. So how can people contact you? They can hear your podcast. Are you on most podcasting apps? Like uh, I know you're on Anchor. Are you on Apple and iTunes. Yeah, um, so I'm, I'm I'm on all the the major platforms. Um, I right now I've been using a, a, a link tree just because it kind of compiles all the the links into one space. Uh, and I mean, I'm on um, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Castbox, Stitcher, Pandora, uh, iHeartRadio, uh, Amazon Music. Um, the list just goes on from there. So pretty, 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 all of them. And you're on Instagram. What's your Instagram handle? Uh, Hauntingly Yours Podcast. Hauntingly Yours. Are you on Twitter? Uh, Twitter as well. Yeah. Haunting H Y 
HYpodcastfm. Okay, brilliant. And I'll have links to all your social media on this episode's page on the podcast website, www.walkingtheshadowlands.com. Do you have a, a podcast website or just a Facebook page at this point in time? Uh, just a Facebook page at this point in time. So is your Facebook page the same name as your podcast? Um, so it's going to be the same name as the, you can find it under the same name as the Instagram, Hauntily Yours Podcast. Okay, brilliant. So yeah. there you go. And um, have you started writing a book yet? <laughs> uh, that, is, that is in the works, yes. <laughs> yeah, um, my, my, one of my objectives is to essentially take all the places that I talk about in each season um, sit down, expand upon the history, get more stories and more pictures. And just before I knew it, you know, uh, create an, a compendium of haunted places throughout the world. That's great. I could actually, I actually, the reason I asked that is I actually saw in my mind's eye you writing this book. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. at, at first I thought it was just about that wood area that you talked about at the beginning, I forget the name of it, where you had your free oh, hard experience. Mm. Yes. Um, when I, uh, the, the Reiki master I met recently, she actually suggested that I, I write a book about it. Mm. Um, but she suggested I write a children's book. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, not for children. This I, I can see, I can actually see it and I can see that it will do very well actually as well, Denny. Mm-hmm. possibly got a couple of books on you but yeah i can see that doing very well for you no good to know oh, yeah. I need a little bit for thought <laughs> how exciting so what do you have coming up for you i understand that um you guys are you you're still in lockdown in the states or is life uh, well lockdown? you know it was we were in we were in lockdown and then we we're out of lockdown every every state is different right now right. um we're currently in what's called um, phase three here in Virginia, but I think we went back to phase two because there's been a, a spike in the virus cases. Um, we're very much getting hit with a second wave right now and people are starting to kind of buckle down and go, okay, uh, it's coming back around and more people are getting sick and more people are dying. And, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of scary, you know, because we don't know what's going to happen. Exactly. It is pretty scary. When we're very lucky here in New Zealand, because we're so geographically isolated, way away from any other country in the world, the closest country is Australia, and of course, then next is the Antarctic. So we're very, we're very lucky. So where do you see yourself going from here? I see myself eventually being in the paranormal field full time um, between podcasting and writing books and um, paranormal investigation. I just see myself full time doing what it is I love and that I feel like I'm meant to be doing um, telling ghost stories. (laughs) Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. I can, yeah. I can see you doing that as well. I mean, I can never see you not telling ghost stories in one form or another. Sure. Yeah. 
Yeah. I can Absolutely. See that. Yeah. Like it's this old grey gentleman, you know, telling stories to the kiddies and to the grown ups oh. who listen to them. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I I remember um, one of my old uh, storytelling mentors, she said to me once, you haven't told a story, Denny, until you've told it 50,000 times. And I said, you know, there's probably something to that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I imagine as I get older and older and older, I'll find out the true meaning behind that. Yeah, <laughs> well, and you never get tired of telling them either because they become part of your fabric of who you sure. are. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Yeah, that's really cool. Do you before we before we end our conversation, do you have any any other experience? What's the experience that stands out the most to you? It doesn't have to be scary, it doesn't have to be frightening. What stands out the most to you and all, all that you've experienced? Um as a whole, I would say I I just had a an experience not too long ago where I was told that I had uh, spirit guides and I was, you know, the person who told me, um, she said that I had, I had several of them and I said, Oh really? And she said, you've got one that I believe is either a grandfather or a great grandfather. And I just thought, Oh gosh, it's my grandfather, my, my mom's dad, who passed away two days before my 13th birthday and appeared to me in the dream. He's, he's back protecting me, you know, um, keeping me on the right path, if you will. And I went and got, I got my spirit box and I started trying to make contact. And I made contact with one of my spirit guides and she she told me her name was Anne and I asked if you know my grandfather I said his name Robert Slaughter I said is he a spirit guide she said one of them and I said is he near she said yes and I asked could I speak to him and she said that he was unable to speak but he could hear me and I said okay well I'm not sure if he's actually there, so can I get some sort of confirmation, you know? And she said, sure. And I said, what did he call me when I was growing up as a child? Well, what was it that he called What was it that he called me? And there was like a few seconds of just static, and I heard angel. And I, I, I started crying, like, right there on the spot because that's that's what he called me all the time and you know and I, even though I you know I was a boy I was just like I was like Papa stop, stop. then you know call a girl angel don't call me angel he's like what it's it's you know just a sweet term of endearment I mean that's all it is there's no harm in it and I essentially I told the I told the spirit guide and I said tell him that I appreciate him being here, but he, he, he can go on. He doesn't have to be here anymore. You know, if there's several of you around to help me on my way through life, that's great, but tell him he can rest. And it was just kind of a profound moment for me because, you know, here I am again, 
I'm this 13 year old boy mm-hmm. saying goodbye to my grandfather in a dream, but now I'm here as a 33 year old man telling him goodbye once more. Oh, it's really sweet. Yeah. It's really sweet. Yeah. And you know, our guides come and go as we reach various stages of growth in our life, new ones will come in and old ones will leave. We usually have one main one that stays with us, but others come and go. I I can see that. I can see that. Denny, it's been awesome having you uh, on our episode today. And thank you so much for your time and your really interesting experiences that you've shared with us. I've really loved it. Oh, great, great. I was more than happy to share it. Thank you for having me on. I hope that you've enjoyed listening to Denny as much as I did. Some people are born storytellers and know how to keep your attention. Thank you so much, Denny, for sharing your most unique experiences with us all this episode. music today was called Strange Things by Jay Urban. It costs me a fair bit to produce this podcast and I'm so very grateful to my patrons for their ongoing support. If you want to become a patron of the show, then head over to patreon.com forward slash mcc15 and sign up now. As a patron, you get access to a special members-only page on the podcast website, www.walkingtheshadowlands.com from which you can download full transcripts of each episode. You also have access to some interview bits that may not make the episodes and little extras as I have time to create and add them for you. You also get early access to the shows before everyone else gets to hear them. Also, you have my absolute gratitude and appreciation. So... What are you waiting for? Go to patreon.com forward slash mcc15 and sign up now. The continued support of my patrons makes it possible for me to financially cover part of the costs of producing this show for you all. So thank you so very much. If you have any suggestions for topics you might like me to cover in upcoming episodes, then please don't hesitate to contact me. Or if any of you have any questions, suggestions or any comments that you'd like to make or experiences that you might like to share with myself or my audience or if you feel you might be a good fit as a guest on my podcast then just email me at shadowlands at yahoo.com or check out the Be A Guest page on the podcast website. Check out our Facebook page, Walk in the Shadowlands, our Instagram feed of the same name and our Twitter feed, at Shadowlands10. Like and follow for hints on our upcoming episodes. If you enjoyed this episode, 
then please leave a positive rating and don't be shy to leave a written review on your chosen podcasting platform or on the podcast Facebook page, Walk in the Shadowlands. And of course, so you don't miss out on any episode, make sure you subscribe on your favourite podcasting platform. This podcast is available on all free podcasting platforms and iHeartRadio as well. If you have Alexa, simply say these four words, Open Walk in the Shadowlands, and Alexa will play our latest episode for you. If you don't have a smartphone, then you can listen to the episodes from the podcast website, www.walkingtheshadowlands.com. For those hearing impaired, there's a full written transcript of each episode on the website, so you don't miss out at all. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell your workmates about our show. Encourage them to listen and to subscribe also. The more, the merrier. Thank you so much for listening today, tonight, whatever time it is, wherever you're living in this beautiful world of ours. We'll see you in two weeks' time. Thanks for listening. 